0: Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers joined by Solomon Ashams and by Stuart Weir. And on this week's show, we talk about the Nigeria national team. Things not good with the Super Eagles. And we speak to recalled defender Kenneth Omeruo, who was part of the 2013 Nations Cup winning team. He tells us about the frustration of missing out on two editions of the Nations Cup.
1: Uh, it's an unfortunate the uh, situation we're in, but uh, we have
0: to you know, look forward. We have World Cup qualifiers. And Stewart has the first part of a profile of one of Africa's all-time greats, Didier Drogba, voted as Chelsea's greatest ever player by the fans. Drogba says that he is
2: not the most talented footballer on the planet and that his achievements are down to hard work. He sees persistence as one of his greatest characteristics.
0: And also we hear from a FIFA development officer about the financial assistance that FIFA offers to needy football associations around the world. That's all coming up. And uh, well, this week I'm in South Africa. I'm in the city of Durban covering the African Athletics Championships. This is a huge sporting city. It's got fabulous facilities and they're hoping to host the Commonwealth Games in 2022. Well, from my hotel, I'm looking across the city. I can see the Indian Ocean. Uh, Lots of tall buildings all across this city of uh, around about two million people. And to my left are the sparkling Moses Mabida Stadium, one of the best stadiums in the world. It was a venue for the 2010 World Cup. It's the stadium with that iconic white arch, and uh, it's glistening in the sunlight. Also here, there's top facilities for rugby, cricket, athletics, swimming and other sports. At the moment, though, it's quite a football-starved city because Amazulu is the top club here. But they got relegated last season and they're trying to get back into the top flight. They don't use the Moses Mabida Stadium for Division One football, although the South African national team does use this venue sometimes. Well, the group stage of the CAF Champions League got underway last weekend. Interesting results as Zesco United of Zambia beat Al-Atli 3-2 at home, the eight-time champions from Egypt. Asek Mamosas were beaten 1-0 at home by Widad Casablanca of Morocco, who looked to be a team to be reckoned with in this year's edition of the Champions League. South Africa's Mamelodi Sundowns winning 2-0 away to Entente Setif of Algeria. And Zamalek of Egypt looked like they mean business This time around, they beat the two-time Nigerian champions, Enyimba, by a goal to nil away from home. Well, the next games in the Champions League are midweek matches uh, this coming Tuesday and Wednesday. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about the Nigeria national team here on the show following their early exit from the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers. A home defeat to Egypt means that the Super Eagles will miss out on two editions of the finals in a row. Nigeria are three-time African champions and they've reached the second round of the FIFA World Cup three times. Despite winning the 2013 Nations Cup, they've had instability in the coaching department and in the leadership of the Nigeria Football Federation. Under new caretaker coach Salisu Yusuf, the Super Eagles have had promising recent wins over Mali and Luxembourg in friendlies, and Yusuf has tried out a number of different players. He recalled defender Kenneth Omaruo, who was part of the 2013 Nations Cup winning team. Omaruo is only 22. He was signed by Chelsea back in 2012, but he hasn't played for them as yet, playing in the Netherlands, in England for Middlesbrough, and now in Turkey. Olawashina Okaleji spoke to Omaruo on the frustrations of Nigerian football, and first asked how it feels to be back in the team.
1: I feel happy, you know. I've been out for a while and I missed it here. I miss playing for for my national team, and uh, uh, it's unfortunate the situation we're in. But uh, we have to, you know, look forward. We have World Cup qualifiers. The team is in good shape. There is a good spirit. Uh, coaching crew, uh, you know, good. Everyone is. Uh, ready to work
3: when you look at the nigerian team when you played at your first african cup of nations you won in south africa but the Super Eagles have failed to qualify for two editions of the tournament now how frustrating is it for you as a young player
1: it is very frustrating because uh i was looking to you know play more tournaments get more caps for the national team and not qualifying two times in a row you know it's uh it's bad for us as a player and uh, also for the for the nation. You know the fans are frustrated, which is uh, which is normal. You know, but we we have to keep working hard and try to put put the house in order. You know, we have to focus, keep the team. You know, build on the team, and so we can, we don't go out there playing. You know, like strangers. We have to know ourselves. We have to work together and stay together for a while.
3: Staying together means having a permanent manager in place when you look at the instability in the managerial position in Nigeria, could it be one of the factors affecting the team
1: uh, it is it is definitely one of the the main factors affecting the team you know and uh yeah, it's difficult when you play with this manager and another one comes and you have to play some another way you know for this has affected us you know but uh you know, uh, hopefully we 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 stay and keep building on this.
3: You've mentioned about how you need stability in terms of the coaching. That you also look at the problems, I mean, administratively affecting the soup the Nigerian Football Federation. How much of an effect does that have on your image as professional footballers playing for Nigeria abroad or when you're whenever you're away from the country?
1: Normally, you know, people people always talk about it, people always uh say things about the the NFF and everything but you know for me as a player it's just to focus when I'm called upon you know to give my best and everything I'm sure other things will be sorted out you know but yeah the earlier the the better so you know the house can be in order.
3: Nigerian fans are really not happy with the Super Eagles do you understand their frustration and their anger?
1: Yeah I do definitely because uh, before I was playing for the national team, I was a fan of the national team, and even when I'm not called upon, I'm also there supporting, and I feel the frustration, you know, and, uh, yeah, we'll just try our best to to always make it right.
0: That's Nigeria defender Kenneth Omaruo speaking to Olawashina Okaleji. So, Solomon, you're in Abuja in Nigeria. It is indeed frustrating for the Super Eagles fans, isn't it? So, what's the feeling there in Nigeria?
4: Yes, Steve, it has indeed been very frustrating for a lot of the Super Eagles fans. A lot of the football fans uh, are definitely putting their blame on Coach Sunday Olise, who left Nigeria just uh, you know halfway or so through the qualifying rounds and uh, tendering his resignation and leaving. So it has been uh, really a feeling of, of anger towards uh, Sunday Olise, who left Nigeria as a coach, anger towards the Nigerian Football Federation and uh, not a lot of people are actually blaming the players you know and uh, nigeria who prides itself as one of africa's best has really failed and the football fans uh, the frustration is just so huge and and a lot of them are beginning to lose interest uh, currently in supporting and following the super eagles
0: Well, different issues affecting the team, but one seems to be a lack of continuity in the squad. It seems to be changing all the time, Solomon. Omarou is now back in, having looked like he would have been a core member of the squad after winning the Nations Cup in 2013 and playing at the 2014 World Cup. Uh, So how much of an issue is the lack of continuity in the squad? Yeah,
4: there's a huge lack of continuity, Steve, (laughs) not just with the players, but also with the coaches. Within the space of a couple of months, you know, Nigeria has had three coaches. First, it was Sunday, Olise, who resigned and left. And then Samson Siasia, the Nigerian Olympic uh, team coach, came in for a couple of uh, months and he left. And now we have Salisu Yusuf. Uh, you know, who is the, the current coach. So we, we, we're we talking about lack of continuity. And when it comes to the squad, the players, if you look at 2013 when Nigeria won the Africa Cup of Nations, if you look at that set of players, and if you look today, uh, you only have a few of those players, uh, you know, still playing. Vincent Nyema is not there. Joseph Yebo is retired. Victor Moses comes in and out sometimes. Sunday Mbah is not there. Emmanuel Emenike hasn't been there. Brown Edie just got back into the team. Uh, so there's been a lot of uh, chopping and changing and, and, and that really have affected a whole lot of players. Uh, Kenneth Merua himself, you know, he, he's been out for, for about two years and, and just got back into the team. It's definitely one of the reasons why Nigeria has not been able to achieve good results. So it is indeed a a time for Nigeria to, to sit down and reflect and see what they could do with the squad.
0: Uh, there is, you'd have to say, still a big chance of the Super Eagles making it to the 2018 World Cup, uh, despite the failure to qualify for the Nations Cup again, Solomon. Yes, I believe Nigeria
4: has a good chance, as, uh, as good as any other team around the continent of Africa, to make it to the 2018 World Cup in Russia. When it comes to the World Cup, Nigeria you know, takes it serious, and uh, Nigeria needs to begin to put his house in order right now, because the qualifying round is going to start very soon. You know, the only World Cup since 1994 that Nigeria missed was the 2006 World Cup in Germany. So Nigerian football fans are used to Nigeria going to the World Cup. They're used to Nigeria qualifying for the World Cup. But from the coaching perspective, a lot needs to be put in order. And also from an administrative perspective, that is the Nigerian Football Federation, a lot needs to be put in order for Nigeria to be able to have a chance of really qualifying.
0: Yes, you'd have to say that Nigeria do look to be among the leading contenders to qualify for the World Cup for Africa for 2018, uh, despite their failures in getting to the Nations Cup. Now, just a brief word on Kenneth Omoruo himself. Uh, Where do you see his career going, Solomon? Because uh, the big defender's been on the books of Chelsea since 2012, but he's never played for them, being loaned out to other clubs. When he joined Chelsea in
4: 2012, a lot of people were expecting him to take maybe a year or two break into the first team but he's been in chelsea for four years now right from 2012 so he's been playing regularly when he goes out on loan But for Chelsea, that would take quite a lot for him to be able to break in for Chelsea. He's just 22 years of age. And and if I was him, I would begin to really look at my options. Maybe I'll need to move to the Championship or move to the French League or move to another league that I'm going to be able to get regular opportunities to play. Because uh, right now, Nigeria is looking towards the World Cup in 2018 in Russia. So he would definitely want to be a part of it. But for his club career, I feel he needs to be in a team that would sign him permanently and give him the opportunity to play at least week
0: in, week out. With Chelsea, he's not really part of the plan. Sadly, that's what I see. Thanks, Solomon. We'll see what the future holds for Kenneth Omaruo of Nigeria. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And have you downloaded our new app? If you miss the show, you can listen any time on our app. To download it, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Then once you get the app, you can listen to the show there. In fact, there are more than 140 episodes of the program on the app, all available on demand. So to download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can also listen to the show on our website, that's planetsportfootballafrica.com. You can see our pictures there too, in case you're wondering what we all look like. Uh, the website planetsportfootballafrica.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, at planetsportfa is the handle. You can keep in touch with news about the show and African football news on Twitter, at planetsportfa. Well, still to come, part one of our profile of Didier Drogba. Of Jose Mourinho
2: he says. One of the manager's many qualities is the ability to listen. And that's exactly what he did. He listened to my opinions all through our time
0: together. So that's coming up later on the show. Now, we've talked on the programme several times about the financial assistance that FIFA offers to needy football associations around the world. And with Gianni Infantino becoming the new FIFA president, there will be more much-needed cash given to federations around the continent and indeed in other parts of the world. Uh, There are actually some existing programmes that some football federations seem to fail to take advantage of. FIFA development officer Solomon Mudege was in Zimbabwe recently to explain more about what FIFA offers. Mudege's job is to help associations to be able to access the necessary support from FIFA and assistance in initiatives that they want to develop. Now, the Goal Project is operational in most African countries, Uh, this football development programme. Other assistance, too, is available for needy federations. There's the Challenger programme, which can be used for building infrastructure, such as a futsal hall for the five-a-side version of football. And also there's the Win-Win programme. Mudega explained more about this to the media in Harare recently.
5: Um, we also have uh, what we call the win-win program, which looks at how uh, member associations, once again, who have challenges in generating revenue, how they can do that by accessing some startup funding um, from, from FIFA to start an initiative. So we've had recently um, approvals for South Africa, which said they wanted to do uh, more licensing and merchandising programs. We've got other member associations in other parts of the world who've assisted, who've asked... Uh, Tajikistan had an OB van which they bought in order to broadcast their own matches. We've got Burkina Faso which said they had a problem with transportation. They bought buses to transport their teams, rent them out to any other third parties who want to do that. There is this win-win program which you can use to put in place uh, particular activities or operations which allow you to generate income. Once they apply, we have development officers, we've got consultants who will look at the application. And see how we can tailor it so that to, to achieve um, all, all these uh, their aims. Uh, with the development programs, as long as a member association is compliant with our development regulations, so they have uh, audited accounts, they have minutes from their general uh, assembly, those types of things are required in the, gen- in the development regulations. If they have that, they're welcome to apply for uh, the application. We analyze the application. If it's it fulfills all the requirements, that program is approved.
0: That's FIFA Development Officer Solomon Mudege explaining about the FIFA Win-Win program. Uh, So Zimbabwe is still considering how to take advantage of this, but uh, let's hope that federations across Africa will make the most of the resources available from FIFA to develop the game. Well, next on Planet Sport Football Africa, we turn to WhatsApp and to Facebook. Last week, we looked at the ongoing Euro 2016 tournament, which had 24 teams contesting in the group stage, an increase from 16 teams in previous editions. This expanded format gives smaller teams like Iceland and Albania a chance to play at a major tournament, but it does mean that the competition takes a whole month to play. So we asked, would you like to see the Africa Cup of Nations finals also expanded to 24 teams? Do you think this would be a positive move forward for African football, or would it reduce the value of the tournament if there were more teams playing there? Well, by Matas Sanyang from The Gambia says, indeed, it should be expanded. Why not here too on our African soil to expand the teams? in order to make it easier for the smaller nations like the Gambia, who've always found it difficult to compete with the big nations. I totally agree with the expansion of the nations, so it can make it more interesting, says Abai Matar. Donald in Cameroon agrees. Donald says, I'd prefer the Nations Cup to be expanded, considering the upsets in the ongoing Euro 2016, as seen with the likes of Iceland, who've made it through to the round of 16. Donald says, I'd like to see smaller African nations like Lesotho and Benin do the same to teams like the Ivory Coast and Egypt and so on. Barnabas Ande is in Nigeria. He says the Nations Cup expansion is long overdue. Expanding it will in no way devalue the tournament. It will only create a more interesting competition where nations like Swaziland, for example, can also get a chance at the African Continental showpiece. CAF needs to review the formula, says Barnabas. Musa Kamara from The Gambia got in touch with us for the first time. He says, I think CAF should increase from 16 teams to 24. It'll give smaller countries like us in The Gambia a chance to be in the tournament. Thanks, Musa, and that's a point many listeners are making, that expanding the number of teams at the Nations Cup finals would give more opportunities for the smaller teams to develop and to gain valuable experience. On Facebook, by Malik Totti from The Gambia says, definitely, let's expand AFCON to 24 teams uh, so that those like The Gambia and others can make it through because we're a football-loving nation and it's sad that we've never qualified for a major senior tournament. Also on Facebook, Saiku Bijame agrees, although with a slightly different perspective. Yes, the Nations Cup should be expanded to 24 teams, says Saiku. But it's not just a matter of emulating the Euros or favouring small countries. It's a shame to see only 16 teams competing in the continent's most prestigious competition in a continent with more than 50 countries. I hope the authorities will make the changes. Essa Marcelo Jani in The Gambia says Africa is bigger than Europe. If Europe is going for 24 teams, then why not us in Africa having 24 too? To give a chance to the smaller nations. And that's a point shared by Ephratha Kamanga in Malawi, who says, I hope they'll increase the numbers so that more teams and countries can take part. Ansumana Darbo in The Gambia is another in favour of expansion. He says it would give a chance to other African nations to take part in the competition, and it would not reduce the value of the tournament. I believe instead it would be more interesting, says uh, Ansumana. In fact, nearly everyone who got in touch with us about this was in favour of expansion, but there were a couple of exceptions. Alfred Mdimba in Malawi says if more teams take part, the value of the tournament will get reduced. Smaller teams must play harder in the group stages to earn their place at the Nations Cup finals. And Cyril Yomba from the Gambia agrees with Alfred. He says, let's just keep it as it is, because even the bigger teams are not too impressive now. And finally, on the show last week, we had a report from Sierra Leone on the newfound optimism for football in the country. Ibrahim Javi from Sierra Leone says, Steve, we're very optimistic this time around to reach the finals of the Nations Cup. And Ibrahim has an ally in Karamba Dabo in the Gambia, who says, I'd like to see Sierra Leone at the Nations Cup finals rather than Ivory Coast. And the picture is that after two wins in the qualifiers, Hope has returned to Sierra Leone. Uh, the Leone stars have a tough final game in their group in September, away to the mighty elephants of Ivory Coast. but. If they can win that game, they'll reach the finals in Gabon next year. Well, thank you so much for all of those comments. Always great to hear your views and get different perspectives. Uh, Now, this week we're asking, does Didier Drogba have what it takes to become a coach? There were strong suggestions that Drogbar would have a position in Chelsea's coaching team when he retired, but that has not happened as yet. So do you think that Drogba has what it takes to become a successful coach and where would be the best place for him to start? Send us a WhatsApp to plus447955232780. That's plus447955232780. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. And now let's focus on Didier Drogba, undoubtedly one of Africa's all-time greats and voted as Chelsea's greatest ever player by fans. Here's the first part of Stuart's profile of Drogba. I've been reading the autobiography
2: of Didier Drogba called Commitment. And the book gives a fascinating insight into the life and career of Didier Drogba Living initially as a child in Ivory Coast, moving to France when he was 5 to live with his uncle, Michel Goba, who's a professional footballer, and then his parents later moved to France because they felt it was a better life for them there. Drogba started playing football at semi-professional level and then got his first real professional contract with Le Mans. But He was 24 before he really made it to the top level of French football, signing for Marseille in 2003. Several places in the book, Drogba says that he is not the most talented footballer on the planet and that his achievements are down to hard work. He sees persistence as one of his greatest characteristics, a refusal to give up, and he is therefore justifiably proud of his achievements because having not made it to the top level Until he was 24, many people would have thought he wasn't going to make it. The book tells how he met his wife, Lala. She was 17 at the time, he was a couple of years older, and she was the best friend of his cousin. The moment he saw her, as he puts it, I was interested. He wrote her love letters, and eventually they got together. When their son was born, he describes it as the best day of my life. He writes in the book about scoring eight goals at Wembley for Chelsea and being the first player ever to score in four different FA Cup finals, adding, I'm really proud of that record. He also reveals that when Chelsea first wanted to buy him, he didn't want to leave Marseille, but the club wanted the money and decided to sell him. He says, loyalty is a virtue that I value. It's in my nature to feel great loyalty to people who believe in me, and for that reason, I wanted to reward Marseille. He also has a strong belief in destiny, often referring to a particular defeat in an important game as it was not meant to be. One of the other interesting aspects of the book is his insight into the managers he played under, and there were quite a few at Chelsea. Of Jose Mourinho, he says. One of the manager's many qualities is the ability to listen. And that's exactly what he did. He listened to my opinions all through our time together. Drogba adds Since the day I joined Chelsea, wherever I go, people always want to ask me one thing What is the secret of Mourinho? Why is he so successful? And I would say that one of the main qualities he brings is a winning mentality and he brings it to all the teams that he manages. Another Chelsea manager was Felipe Scolari. Drogba says of him, The problem, I saw it, was that Scolari had no previous experience of Premier League football and of the enormous physical demands it makes on players. He says that Scolari sometimes has a reputation for tough-talking. The problem was he couldn't speak English, so therefore had to do his tough talking through an interpreter. Drogba gives an example of Scolari not adjusting to the Premier League. Shortly after he arrived, Drogba watched a Premier League game on television with him. And Scolari said, these two teams will never finish the season playing like this. After five games, they will collapse in exhaustion. Drogba said he tried to convince Scolari that that was normal and that was different about English football, but Scolari would not listen. Carlo Ancelotti was a manager who did impress Drogba. At the beginning of the season, before he'd met him, he telephoned Drogba to introduce himself. And when he left the club, he made sure that he'd spoke to Drogba and left on good terms. In both instances, says Drogba, he didn't need to do that. But that he did shows that he's a class act. One characteristic that he thinks is really important in managers is communication. Drogba says, that's all I ever ask of managers, that they communicate clearly. It's such a simple thing, but it's amazing how often it doesn't happen. At one stage, it seemed that Drogba was going to finish his career at Chelsea and join the coaching staff. But it didn't happen. It'll be interesting to see whether he will at some stage become a manager because certainly he has played under some great ones and had an opportunity to learn from them, good and bad. What's this space?
0: Very interesting. Thank you, Stuart. Uh, So Drogba only joining a top club at 24 and saying that hard work took him to where he is, more than his talent. So we're asking, does Drogba have what it takes to become a coach? Uh, What are your views on this, Solomon? Steve, I I really don't know if Didier Drogba would be able to translate
4: his form and success as a player, as a striker, into a coaching role. Some players do that, you know, easily. Some players find it difficult to do, taking the time to learn, taking the time to do its badges. So when he comes to the side of motivation, I think if he does become a coach, he would be a coach that would really be able to man manage players better and be able to motivate players to go out there and perform. But I don't think it's something that would be easy for him to accomplish But I see him as someone who could become a coach, maybe, you know, for a short time, but not entirely uh, for the rest of his life. I see him uh, getting involved in in other ventures, uh, you know, around football.
0: OK, so Solomon, not entirely convinced. Uh, you can give us your views on WhatsApp and on Facebook. Does Didier Drogba have what it takes to become a coach is the question. Remember, the were suggestions he'd uh, take a place in Chelsea's coaching team after his retirement, but that hasn't happened yet. So do you think that Drogba has what it takes to become a successful coach and where would be the best place for him to start? Send us a WhatsApp to plus447955232780 that's plus four four seven Or go to our facebook page planet sport football africa and that's it for this week from me steve vickers this week in durban in south africa from solomon ashoms in abuja nigeria and stuart weir in the uk thanks a lot for listening and planet sport football africa is a passion for sport production